Today is uh, really a day I, <clears throat> I look forward to uh, each year. And um, what, we, what we do, we call it a state of the church. Uh, in, our, uh, in our nation, every year the president stands up and gives a state of the union. And just in essence, it says, hey, how are we, how are we doing uh, over here? And uh, so every year, believe that we need, I need to, as your pastor, give you an update. The first part of, part of this is a financial update. And the reason we do that is that uh, we encourage all our members to do as God has said in the Scripture. And that is that when God entrusts us with resources, we're to give a portion of those into his ministry. And uh, many of you choose to say, well, we, we trust and we want to give those ministries to the church, uh, believing that you will use those to further and advance the kingdom of God. We set budgets and we set goals. And then when you get to the end of the year, a lot of people say, well, how did we do so at the first part, that's what I want us to talk about. And let's just walk you through financially, just to give an accounting as to this is what happened during this year. And then we'll share some other things and move into chapters, which we'll talk a moment about that. And we're going to close looking at Psalm 145. And so uh, to start out with our state of the church, let me just remind you that our budget for this past year was uh, $7,500,000. It has been a flat budget for about the last three years. Uh, as we've been in chapters, we said we'll keep that operating budget flat and manage it through there. Well, your response was beyond anything we've seen in our history. You gave uh, this past year $8,215,456 to the operating budget. Because you see the asterisk, that doesn't mean that half of it hadn't come in. No, the asterisk means that that's the largest ever in our history. So by giving of that, that means there was a surplus of $715,456. Now, with that, you say, well, what happens to that surplus? Well, in our budget, and we'll leave this slide for just a second, in our budget, we have 10% of our budgeted amount goes to the cooperative program. Now, for some of you that may be new and don't really understand how Southern Baptists work, is that Southern Baptist uh, 45,000 churches give into one fund. It's called a cooperative program, and they're asked to contribute to that. And out of that fund, there are then monies that go to the state here in Alabama, when we give, and also for the national agencies, the um, North American Mission Board, International Mission Board, our seminaries, and a number of other things. That's where that money goes. So we give 750000 to that. Now, next slide would show that with our surplus, the first thing we do is we take 10% off the top and we give it to the cooperative program. So if you added up these numbers, that means there's about $820,000 that Shades Mountain has given to the cooperative program. That is the first time in the history of the state of Alabama that a church has given that figure of at least $800,000 to the cooperative program in the state of Alabama. But we believe in their ministries and we believe in the ministries of the Southern Baptist Convention and that's why we do that. So that leaves us $643,910 for ministry and missions. And this is a statement that you have not seen in many years. Because what our, our um, promise to you was is that when we were carrying debt is that Anytime we did an overage in giving, we would take 10%, give it to the cooperative program, and then the remainder would go to reduce debt. But at the end of October, we were debt-free. And so one of the values and the joys of being debt-free is we then have an opportunity to take this money and plug that back in to ministry and missions. And what happens with that is we think, good, we should. 
your staff managed the budget very well, and we had uh, uh, many hundreds of thousands that we underspent. We put both of those, we'll put both of those together, and we put together a list as to where we think some of the greatest needs are, and then on Monday, tomorrow, we sit down with our finance committee, and then they uh, direct it, approve it, or make some adjustments, and that's what we will do with this. And so a part of this is in a reserve to make that we're covered for rainy days, <laughs> or snowy days on there, that comes in handy. And if I just may make a point, our budget has been $7,500,000 for a number of years. We increase it this year to $8 million. And don't get cocky because we got 8.2. That doesn't mean that's a guarantee. And we just lost a Sunday. And a number of you have not given. So if you could, <laughs> if you could kind of make up that Sunday, it would be okay. I don't mind preaching audience of one. It's just Chad didn't give enough money to uh, cover all the budget. So uh, that would really help us. But so that's where you see where, where we are there. Well, make Jesus known. The way we're set up is we have an operating budget of $7.5 million, and then we have a separate missions budget, Make Jesus Known, whose goal is a $1 million. And out of that is where we support a lot of ministry missions opportunities. This past year, we gave $1,093,609. So again, we went over that budget, and um, you say, well, what happens to that $93,609? Well, we do sit down with Jeremy Grime, our minister of missions, and the first thing we do is we pull out probably, I think this year maybe 40, it's about 30 to 40,000. We just set it aside for things that may come up in 2017 from a mission standpoint that we would love to be able to support, but that we didn't really know it was coming. And then the others are divided among various missions ministries that have been identified. Again, we take this to our finance committee, and they make those agreements. But the pledge that I've made, and I constantly remind all of them, is that every penny of that money will be, uh, will be spent this next year. We don't keep carrying missions money over. Uh, it will be set aside, and it, it will be spent. And if you came to the end, you said you still had some left over, we'd give it to Lottie Moon or to Annie Armstrong. And uh, I'm going to explain that to a minute because a couple of you probably don't know who those women are and say, why do they get that money? I'll explain that. All right, next. Out of, out of this, Lottie Moon, this is our International Mission Board, and every year there's an offering that's taken up, and it's called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, and every dollar that goes to that offering goes directly to those that are on the field with the International Mission Board. doesn't cover any administrative expenses. It goes straight to those on the field. Our goal was 260000 Because you gave to make Jesus known, and you made that goal then we're able to take 260000 send it for international missions. The second lady is Annie Armstrong, and that is for North American Mission Board. That covers all ministry in the United States and Canada. Our goal is 105000 so we took that and we paid it to there. Now, I was introduced earlier this year to a new website that will allow you to calculate where your cooperative program dollars went to. It's great. You just go in there, type in your number, and it splits it out, and it shows you where your cooperative program dollars go, which is really good because a lot of you, as you give to this big fund, you say, where does that go? I want to break two things out for you, and that is International Mission Board and North American Mission Board, okay? Next thing is slide. International Mission Board, because you gave $820-something thousand dollars to the cooperative program, 
186,364 went to the International Mission Board. You add Lottie Moon, we gave almost a half a million dollars to the International Mission Board. The asterisk by that is that's the most we've ever done in all of our life. Second of all, North American Mission Board, same thing. Cooperative program, 84,000 plus the 105, 189,254. So for us as Shades Mountain Baptist Church, when you think about 2016, we gave about $635,000 to those two agencies that are mission agencies for the Southern Baptist Convention. And so I, I thank you for your commitment because when we set this budget out, we are committed to try to um, continue to support the mission work that we're doing at, at the Southern Baptist Convention. And so I, I thank you for that. So that covers Make Jesus Known and the budget bottom line. Our total giving that we gave this past year was $11,057,943. Those are monies that came into our church. And then the figure that is my favorite is mission giving. And that means that we gave the highest amount ever in the history of our church to missions, uh, $2.75 million, which represents 25% of total giving. And this is a huge goal for us to do. And So I can put that as simplest terms as possible. Every time you give $1, 25 cents of that dollar goes outside the walls of this church. And our goal was to get to 20%. And then I was setting a goal that we could get somewhere between 20 and 25. And I can't tell you how thrilled I am that we gave the largest amount ever. And we gave 25% uh, of everything we gave goes outside the walls of this church to missions. And, and just as an aside... You know, sometimes people look at big churches and they'll look at, at a church. It's a beautiful church. We take good care of our facilities. Uh, we try to uh, be good stewards of God's resources. And then people say, well, when you give those churches just so they can just hoard it themselves, that is just false. It's not true at all. And to know that 25% of everything that comes here, we're sending out and going outside the walls of our church. And I'm telling you what, the other 75% is being spent very well too. So, uh, so I'm excited about what we have done, what you have done through the faithfulness uh, of the resources that God has entrusted you. So that's been our giving part, but I always love to just talk about a little bit about our going part. Uh, the going on our mission trips was uh, really exciting this year. We had 24 local North American missions. Now, this is in one year, and we had 1,441 people that went on mission trips here in North America and also locally. We had 14 international trips with 168 people, and then we had 27 individual international. What that means is there may be another organization that, that some of our people partner with that go on a mission trip. We had 27 of, of those trips with 43 people. The total was 65 projects and 1,609 people. So over this year, 65 different mission projects our people have been involved in, and it took us to seven states in 29 countries. Now, if you ever just, I know sometimes we just get inundated by these numbers, but have you ever stopped and just thought for just a moment that one church right here in Birmingham, Alabama, last year went to 29 different countries? That's really amazing. And said that we're going to help advance the kingdom of God Seven different states, 29 different countries. And what that means is, is that we're not just writing checks, but we're also going with our feet. And we are trying to be people who are live sent, who are on mission. 
uh, for God. So I'm thrilled with that. When I think about this report, and I've been living with this report now for, for a couple of weeks, you just you want to give praise to God and for his wonderful uh, love and the way that he has poured out blessings on us and allowed us to take resources that he has so uh, graciously given us and used for his kingdom. I brought to attention 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 11 through 15, the Apostle Paul was taking up an offering for Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was going through a very difficult time. And so he went to all the different church plants, and he says, we want to take um, you know, offerings for like the mothership over here in Jerusalem. And as he makes the appeal for the offering, this is how he concludes his appeal. He says, yes, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And I hope that'll always be us, that we'll always be generous. And he says, and when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Isn't that great? When we take the gifts to them, the first thing they don't sit there and say, oh, we're thankful for Shades Mountain Baptist Church, but we thank God because of what he has provided. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. We never do this as a, as a shades pat on the back. We do this so that needs can be met and that people can thank God. Yes, you will be, in, and it says, and as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. And for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace that God has given to you. Now, that statement is a statement that I get to um, probably see the benefit of more than you because I'm the guy that gets the notes. doesn't mean they're just praying for me. They're praying for all of us, but they send me the notes. And, and I get from, whether it be church planters or missionaries, that when there's something that we send to them, they will come back and they say, we are praying for you. And you take some congregations and they'll, they'll drop me a note and say, we have been praying for your church. Now, some of you even sent a little video clip of, uh, of just saying, thank you Shades Mountain Baptist Church for what you are doing for us. And it says here, and then thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift, and that is Jesus himself. And so in the midst of all of this, that we need to be thankful to God. I've asked Tom Boston to come up over here, and Tom is our, our minister of administration. And uh, Tom uh, came here middle of November uh, over there and uh, has had an opportunity to kind of firsthand see all this. And, and I've asked Tom if he would lead us in a word of prayer, and let's give God honor and glory and thanksgiving for all that he has done. Tom, would you lead us? Thank you, Danny. Pray with me, will you, congregation? Oh, God, you never cease to amaze. Father, the earth is indeed yours and everything in it. The whole world and all who live in it, for you formed it out of the seas and you established it on the waters. God, your promises are always kept. Thank you so much, Lord, for your faithfulness, for the faithfulness of your people, Lord, for how you just continue to pour out your blessings beyond anything we can expect or imagine. What abundance. Father, may we always steward them well. May we never forget the mission that we're on to be sent out into this world with your truth and your love to share with others. Father, continue to bless us to do so for the next hundred years. Father God, what an awesome privilege and responsibility you've given us. And thank you 
for empowering us with your spirit so that we might see that through. We ask you to continue to bless us and to use us for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Well, it's amazing when you look back and you say, okay, I can see the giving and the going, but listen, this, this year was more than just financial numbers and missions numbers. What this year meant at our church is it was changed lives. It were transformed lives. Lives that went from no relation to God to being adopted into the family of God. From marriages on the brink of destruction to being stronger and on a more solid foundation. It was for men that were struggling with porn addictions and weak spiritual leadership in their homes to men stepping up and facing their addictions and gaining victories and becoming the point men in their homes who love their wives like Christ loves the church. It was over 2,000 children and adults meeting regularly in Sunday school each week. It was hundreds of children in our community life center in After the Bell during the school year and kids camp in the summer. It was over 1,000 children that were here in vacation Bible school. It was the four man churches that we had totaling close to 2,000 men in attendance with hundreds of men committing to small group Bible study groups and accountability groups. It was hundreds of women that are involved in Bible studies and attending at conferences. It's hundreds of high school students and college students who are involved in discipleship groups and attending camps and conferences. It was 6,000 people on our campus for the Halloween carnival. It was two full houses for our Christmas by candlelight and then a full house for our Christmas Eve service. And all of these were not just members, but they were guests that came with members and they were, they were here as we were reaching out to our community. And so when you look back over 2016, it's an amazing year. It's an amazing year of giving and of going and of growing. And because of that, we praise God for it. And it's a real privilege uh, to be a part of this church. And I count it a, a privilege to be, your, to be your pastor and see w- what God is doing uh, with us. But, but you know, this, this isn't it. We haven't arrived. And um, I stood before you about three and a half years ago and introduced something called Chapters. And it was, a, uh, it was a program that uh, we were going to improve our facilities and eliminate our debt. And it, at the same time, we were going to advance the mission for specific ministries. And I challenged our people to make three-year commitments on that. And so as we've come to the close of that, let me just share with you what happened at the end of that. In our chapters campaign, the total that we pledged was $7,259,000. We asked people to do three-year pledges, and we received 6810390 which is 93.8%. Now, you always want to know, what's the industry standard? Is this good? Is this bad? Industry standard is, if you're 85% and above, it's a good program. We did Journey of Faith a number of years ago. It was 86%. We did Every Generation, and it was 92.5%. We did this, and it's about 94%. And there's some other gifts that will be coming in that will probably push this up to about 95%. So your response was over the top. It was beyond what we could have imagined. And so uh, with that, well, I want to give you just a short recap of it, and there's no better way to do it than through a video. So if you watch the screen and just kind of enjoy a chapter's recap.
Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I love it when I'm reading a book and, and I'm coming to the end of the chapter. And as I'm coming to the end of the chapter, there's that anticipation about what that next chapter is going to, is going to be. And as I'm coming to the conclusion of the chapter and I'm, I'm turning the page, all of a sudden there's this new chapter. And in this new chapter, sometimes there's new characters being introduced, uh, new plot lines, uh, revelation of new facts and figures that you didn't know before. And this is just an excitement of turning that page and, and seeing what's all ahead for that next chapter. Uh, I think that that's really where we are as a church. Uh, we have some many exciting and great things that are happening right now. And, and as I'm reading the chapter of our church right now, I'm thrilled. But I'm even more excited about turning the page and seeing what it is that God has for us in the next chapter. In the fall of 2013, we introduced Chapters Campaign to you as a church, and I believe in that first video I mentioned how excited I was and saw that these could be exciting times over these next few years as we went through Chapters. What we accomplished in these three years uh, went beyond even my expectations and I think the expectations of, of our leadership. And so when you think about those three areas, facility improvement, uh, debt elimination, and mission advancement, and you put it all together, it's truly amazing what took place in these last three years. When you just look at our facilities, Everything from our CLC, which was uh, built in the late 1970s, and we did some a major renovation all in there. Uh, also uh, on our gears, third floor and fifth floor, especially the fifth floor, and we completely remodeled all of that. And my favorite is down in the fellowship hall. We completely redid those men's and women's restrooms. We've also uh, did a lot of uh, handicap access all around our campus. We did some technology upgrades that you will see both in our worship center and also in other areas. One of the things is the uh, wall of the, of the worship center. We also did a lot of re-roofing in a number of our uh, buildings and we replaced a lot of the stair treads in some of our older buildings to make it safer for people to come up and down and just some remodeling, remodeling in our conference center lobby and we've also done some remodeling in our worship center lobby. So that's just some of the things that we were able to do. When you look over the last 15 years of our campus, every part of this campus is either a new building or it's been remodeled or refurbished and so facility improvements we've done a lot then you move to debt elimination just the fact that we have invested 26 million dollars into our facility and we are debt free. So for us as a church, this gives us a great freedom to do more things for ministry, more things for missions, knowing that we don't have any type of debt retirement that we have to pay for and we have to budget for in our operating budget. And so our philosophy is that at least 20 cents of every dollar goes outside the walls of our church. And so we incorporated that into chapters and we call that mission advancement. And that is to sit down with individuals in their ministry 
listen to their visions, listen to their dreams, and for us as a church to be able to say, we'll help you with that. We'll make that a reality. That has been so much fun. Everything from, uh, I think it really started with Urban Purpose downtown, needing a, a woman to be on their staff. And then for us to be able to make that a reality has really taken their ministry to a whole new level. To work with Andy and Jan Thrower with A-Team, and to know that when these families come in, a child's going to be at Children's Hospital for uh, extended stay. And to know that we provided an apartment for them. One of our favorites, you know, is working with Jay Watson. And uh, Jay used to be on our staff in our student ministry. is now the pastor at Life Community Church. And to put them in a worship facility and an education facility that has transformed their church. And then... Man, great privilege I had this summer to go to the Azores to meet with Art Nielsen as they were cutting the ribbon on the, the final construction for their children's camp. And then uh, we did with Living Hope there in uh, South Africa. They had a dream to build a building that would do training so that when they would bring people in, they would teach them how to build a business. And we came alongside of them and provided probably close to 80% of all the funding that was needed. One of our own members, Michael Johnson, as you know, is, is, he has his ministry in Thailand. Uh, they were looking for a relocation project to be able to uh, get a piece of land. And because of what our church was able to do, we were able to provide funds along with some other churches to make that a reality. And Freeset. Uh, there in India, and uh, you know we have worked with Kerry Hilton and them for a number of years, and he had a he had a dream on setting up a, a training facility. But in the midst of that vision, God put something else in his lap that was called Gateway, and it's this huge uh, structure that was right there in the center of the area where they have been doing ministry. And because of your faithfulness, they were then able to move forward. And shortly after that, they purchased that building. And that's been a game changer for them. Uh, Juan Kwok up in Fort Lee, New Jersey, they needed a student minister. So what we did for three years is we sent them funds so that they could hire that staff member. And so, again, their ministry has grown because of what we've done there in chapters. And, um, and we set aside some funds that we could use for uh, church planting and specifically in New York City. And everyone has got a great story. And whether it's James Robertson uh, there in Brooklyn and the great things that, uh, you know, that they're doing, the Drew Griffin uh, there in Manhattan and Sterling Edwards there in Long Island. Uh, and then R.C. Sylvanus, uh, who is ministering to the people of Nepal who have relocated there to New York City in the Queens area. So we're getting ready to turn the page on, on this chapter. What a chapter it was. But what we need to keep in mind is that this book that we're in, this book, Shades Mountain Baptist Church, it's a 105-year-old book. And so in this long book, we get ready to step into a new chapter. And everything about a, a new chapter is interesting because you don't know what's there. Sometimes there's new characters, uh, there's new challenges, there are new victories along the way. And, and that's what we're getting ready to do. And so all the groundwork is laid for God to be able to unveil some things to us that, uh, that we've never seen before. And I believe that a few years from now, we will come back and we'll revisit this chapter we're getting ready to go into, and we will say, it's incredible. It's beyond anything we could have imagined. But we're right there. That's where we are right now. 
turning that page to go into this next new chapter of what it is that God has for us at Shades Mountain Baptist Church. It's a great three years. So because of our chapters, what we see here is that we accomplished uh, exactly the goals that we had. The facilities improvement projects are complete. And uh, i got to be totally honest with you. Have you ever walked around like your house and maybe, maybe you're picking things up or cleaning things up? Or maybe it was even taking down all the uh, Christmas decorations. And then all of a sudden in April you saw some Christmas decoration that you had missed along the way. Lo and behold, I told you, I felt every part of this campus has been renovated and in good shape. However, we discovered, one, that we walk across constantly, and it's right behind the hearth room uh, over there near where Jason Parrish's office is, and also the old the bride's room uh, down there on the other side of the fellowship hall. Those were two areas that we need to fix the floor. We're getting ready to do that. All right, so that's getting ready to be complete. Just want to let you know. So everything has been completed over here which means in the last 15 years we have invested 26 million dollars into this campus but at that same time we have given 31 million to missions uh, to make sure that we always keep that at the forefront. Our debt is eliminated. We have no debt. Our missions advancement commitments, all of those were fulfilled. And since we completed our debt retirement, everything that came in after that middle of October all went to missions advancement and we have a surplus of about 266,000 that is earmarked for some of the things that we want to do in 2017 that line up with our vision that we'll talk to you about next week. So that's what we'll be talking next week is when we will talk about how to turn the page and, uh, and see what the next step God has for us. One of the things that I think I like the most about all of this chapter's campaign is that on April 28, 2013, we did a soft launch. And what that was, was I just described a little bit of it to you, and then I spent the summer talking to individuals and, and telling the story and getting us prepared for the fall. But on that Sunday, as we were launching it, doing a soft launch, we called up Tom and Sherry Boston, and they stood right here, and they shared with the church that they were leaving the business world and that they were going to Thailand. And they were going to invest two years of their lives and were going to go there and work. And I believe this is what God had called them to do. What a great start to chapters. And when chapters came to an end, the first Sunday of this year, as we closed the service, a young couple came up that we were able to pray for who said, we believe that God has called us to be missionaries to North Africa. And so we as a church had an opportunity to lay hands and pray for them. And what a great way to open a chapter and to close the chapter, sending people out to do the work that God has called them to do. And so for us, it's been a great three years of with the chapters, of it coming to a conclusion. But before we can turn the page to the next chapter, we need to settle for just about the next 10 minutes or 15 minutes, and let's praise God for what he's done and for what we see him doing. And if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Psalm 145. I want you to turn to Psalm 145. Psalm 145 has been called David's crown jewel of praise. When you read through, there's 150 psalms. Some of them are just praise psalms. And out of all of them, this has been called the crown jewel of praise. I want us to look at seven verses, at the first seven verses. 
And I want you to follow with me as I read Psalm 145, starting in the first verse. He says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. And they shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. I want you to write these down and some thoughts for you to carry through the remainder of this year as we give praise to God. Number one, praise the Lord enthusiastically. Praise the Lord enthusiastically. You know, when you see that word extol, it's a word that we don't use too often. And when it looked here in the first verse, I will extol you, my God. You say, what does extol mean? It means to praise enthusiastically. It it means that you are jacked up and you're excited about it. You are to praise him enthusiastically. You recognize in here, he says, I extol you, my God and King. I saw that and I kept thinking about that, my God and King. You would think that God would trump everything. I wouldn't need to add king in there. But too often we get so super spiritual and we say that he is my God. We think that just deals with spiritual matters. But what David's got, he says, you're my God, you're my king. It's everything. It's spiritual matters. It's day-to-day matters. I want just to remind you that you are my king and I am to be obedient to you and I praise you. And you see, I get excited that I am a child of the king and I praise him enthusiastically. I praise him for all that he's done and allowed us to do in 2016. How he blessed us with resources that we were able to give back to see his kingdom advance. How we were able to come alongside to other people to help serve them and to help meet their needs and to encourage them and give them the tools needed to spread the gospel. So I look at this and praise enthusiastically and I look at it as a pastor of this church and from that standpoint, praise enthusiastically. But it's not just things in the church. We need to constantly be praising him, praise enthusiastic. And that's where the second one comes. And that means praise the Lord every day. Praise the Lord every day. In verse 2, he says, every day I will bless you. Now, there are some days that are peaks of joy. And there are some days that are a punch in the gut. Amen? And there are some days like today, I stand before you. On January 15, 2017, and said, this is a peak of praise, man. This is easy. It's easy for me to praise you today because I'm sharing all these great things that have happened. But, you know, there were 365 days in this year. And, uh, and there were days that were tough and downright bad days <laughs> to be your pastor. There were some difficult days as a husband. There were some difficult days as a father there were some disappointing days as a friend and there were some disappointing days as a follower of Christ but you know he didn't say just praise him on the good days he says every day I will praise you every day and that even though we go through difficult days and we go through those hard times we don't get a pass It says, every day I will praise you. No matter whatever the conditions or the circumstances, not just in the good days, but all the days. And I do that because, Lord, you never change. 
There's a verse of scripture that it's in a minor prophet that oftentimes we don't read. And when you read this verse, this puts it in perspective. It's an amazing verse. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 28, uh, through 18, excuse me. I, I want you to just read this. I want you to drink this in. You're reading this and you're in an agrarian society. He says, though the fig trees should not blossom, means I'm not going to get any figs, nor fruit beyond the vines, means we're not going to be able to sell any fruit. The produce of the olive fail, so much for the olive production, and the fields yield no food. How are you doing so far? Is this a good day? <laughs> the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Nothing. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Wow. That's blessing every day. You don't get a worse day than this. This is about as bad a day as it gets. And he says, yet in the midst of that, I will rejoice in the Lord. And I will take joy in the God of my salvation. David, he had high days and low days. And as he wrote this psalm, he says, every day, I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Part of the reason we do that is the third point, and that is this, and that is we praise the Lord because his greatness is beyond measure. Verse 3 says, great is the Lord. The, if you were, when you were a little kid, you were probably taught a blessing. What was the first blessing you were ever taught, were you supposed to say over the meal? You said what? God is great. That's right. And God is good. And so you started out with the greatness of God. And right here in this verse, he says, great is the Lord, and his greatness is beyond measure. There is no part of God's greatness which is not worthy of great praise. You can't search out the riches of God. It is beyond measure. It's just beyond measure, the greatness of God. And the more I know God and the more I see his greatness, it's, I want to praise him even more. But I'll never get to the point where I get to the end and say, well, I pretty well got all the greatness of God figured out. It's unsearchable. It's unfathomable. And that leads you to number four, and that is contribute your chapter of praise and pass it down. Contribute your chapter of praise and pass it down. Verse four says, on the, uh, it says, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. One generation shall commend your works to others. Now, some of you have got a different translation than the ESV. And that word commend, they put the word praise or laud, L-A-U-D. I like that better. Look at, read it like that. One generation shall praise your works to another. It's not just that you sit down with your kids and you say, God did this, this, this. You sit down with your kids and you say, let me tell you what our God did. Let's praise our God and let me just tell you the incredible things that our God has done. You praise the works of God. And in essence, what you're doing is you're writing your own book of praise and you're handing it down to that next generation. And so that next generation that comes after you, after your family or people you interact with, they are to take that book of praise and then they write their own book. And you put this whole volume together and you've got an amazing uh, uh compilation of praises to the matchless character of God take that contribute that hand that down to those that are coming after you and number five is this meditate on who God is and what he has done meditate on who God is and what he has done verse five on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty that's who you are 
He is eternal. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. God is holy, never changing, faithful, righteous, merciful, gracious, good, fair, just, and loving. That's who he is. And he says, meditate on that. Meditate on who he is. And then as you meditate on who he is, you also meditate on his wondrous works. And you can look at the beauty of creation. You can look at the gifts that he's given you. But you also look at the greatest gift he's given, and that's the gift of grace. And to know that we have a holy God that loves us so much that when we get born into this sin-sick world and we begin to sin against him, it creates this huge chasm between God and man. And because in the holiness of God, there's no way that this sin can come and live forever in this presence with God. And so what God did, because he loved you so much, is he took his own son, sent him to the earth, and let him live in this sin-sick world, this fallen world. But as he came, he showed us the beauty of what things could be and what it meant to live a perfect life and to live a life that was honoring God the Father. And he showed us this for about 33 years. And he talked about who God was. And then people didn't want to hear that. And so they took him to a cross and they were going to crucify him. And, and, they, and they didn't take him against his will because he was born to die. He came to die for our sins. And so willingly he went to the cross And willingly, he took the beatings. And then willingly, he hung suspended between heaven and earth for six hours, taking the sins of all the world, your sins, my sins, and of all the world, on him. And then he died. And just when Satan thought the victory was won, and they placed the body in the tomb, three days later, the Bible shows us that God raised him from the dead. And God raised him from the dead. And Jesus met with his disciples, appeared to 500 other people. And then he ascended on to heaven. And as he did that, he says, I will come back. I will come back. And I'll restore all things. But because he raised from the dead, he conquered sin and he conquered death. And he says, you were created to worship God. And if you stay in your sin, you keep separated from God, you're missing out on that opportunity to be adopted into his family. But if you receive the gift of salvation, if you receive the gift of Christ and say, I understand you are the son of God, you died on the cross for my sins, I want to accept you and accept the payment for my sin. When that happens, it's like you've got an adoption certificate in which you've been adopted into the family of God and his Holy Spirit comes and lives within you and will never leave you. And it is there to guide you, direct you, convict you of sin, provide you of comfort, give you guidance and direction. And all the way until you take that last breath. And then you take your first breath in heaven with him. And you live with him for eternity. You see, this is the God that you want to meditate on who he is and what he has done. And there are times in this world that we can get knocked down and we get upset as to what is going on in our world. And we get a little, we can get depressed, we can get angry, we can get hurt. All these things happen to where we look and say, you know, how is this thing going to end? Well, listen, I got you great news. <laughs> because when you read God's word, we know how this thing's going to end. We know the victory that's going to happen. The same God that sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross, who um, 
was there to uh, uh, confirm all these prophecies that have been made. The same one who has risen from the dead, the same one who ascended to heaven, who has fulfilled every promise that's ever been made here, also said, I'm coming back. And when he's coming back, he's coming back to restore this world. This world was not a mistake. This was a beautiful world that God created. But when sin came in, it began to change. And this is a sin-affected world. He's going to restore this. In fact, we're going to talk about that in a few weeks. We're going to deal a sermon series on eternity. But he's coming back, okay? And then one day when there's going to be this time of judgment, the Apostle Paul said it in Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11. He says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee, the word every, every knee shall bow, in heaven, on earth, under the earth, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what that means is that there will come a time, you may sit there and say, there's some battles that are being lost here, but I'm telling you, the war is already won. And there will come a time that when we come into his presence, every person that comes into his presence will bow and will call him Lord. Now there are going to be those who say that this makes no sense, I don't want to accept that gift, I don't want to be a part of it, I'm just going to take my chances. And my heart hurts for them when they make that call. But when they die and they step into eternity, they're in for a rude awakening. Because there will be a day when it says everyone will bow their knees and they will call him Lord. This is not like a football game to where when the game is over and your team loses, you get in line and you say, good game, good game, good game, good game. You don't pat everybody in, and they're going to walk by Jesus and say, hey, you're right, good game, good game. No, no, no. <laughs> no, this is where they're going to kneel and they're going to look at him and say, you truly are Lord. This is not universal salvation. This is not a second chance. It is just a time where they will give the praise and honor to the one who deserves it. But yet they've already made their decision. And as they spend eternity separated from God, it's a universal acknowledgement of Christ's sovereignty, even by his enemies. Those who love Jesus will bow in adoration and worship, and those who refuse to acknowledge him on earth will bow in submission and fear. But he is Lord. And that is why we meditate on God, who he is and what he has done. And that's why we praise him enthusiastically. Look back over that. You know, you praise him enthusiastically. You praise him because he is great. And you praise him for every day. You meditate on the things that he has done and who he is. And it causes you to pray. But then the very last word is this. And that is declaration follows meditation. Declaration follows meditation. You spend time meditating on about God and who he is. You're going to be so excited. You're going to want to declare it. And he says here in verse 6, he says, They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. I mean, this is active. This is, we want to declare this. This is why it's so exciting to come, spend time in worship, us being together, Sunday school, worship, hearing about the Word of God, getting excited about this God that loves us, that we serve. And then when we do that, we run out of this place and we declare Him to others. We're not hitting anybody over the head. We're just sharing with the love of who God is and what He's done for them. And we get that opportunity to do that. And so we need to be bold to enthusiastically share with others the goodness and the righteousness of God and the love that He has for them and the provisions that He has made through His Son, Jesus Christ. Christ. Wow. Enthusiastically praise. This year, 
Once you think back to what all God has done here through this church, we praise him enthusiastically. But I want you to take that as a challenge, even as I will take it as a challenge, that every day I will praise him. Every day is not going to be my best day, but I'm going to praise him and I'm going to bless him. And you know what that does? That helps me kind of get my mind set where it needs to be, to where I understand the things of eternity. And I'm thankful again for God and for what he's done for me. And joyously realize that every day we have an opportunity to live for the king. Every day we get to go out and we get to tell people about the eternal love that God has for them. Every day we get to rub shoulders with people that walk through difficult times. And we can just come alongside and put an arm around them and say, can I tell you about what Jesus has done in my heart? Every day you get an opportunity to be a friend to the, to the friendless. Every day you get to be someone who steps out for those that are down and out. And you get to come and say, I want to try to help you. I want to give you a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. Every day you get an opportunity to just take that love of Jesus. You praise him enthusiastically. And then you go and just pour your life into other people. Wow. We get to do that. Is that not great? Is this not a good life? That God allows us to do that? So let's do that. Let's do that, not just as a Shades Mountain Baptist member, but let's do that as a follower of Christ and as a child of God. And then we can see God do some incredible things in people's lives, and we can see some transformation take place in a community, in a state, in a nation, and in a world. Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just, I thank you for the glorious things that you have done, not just this past year, but really in 105 years here at, uh, at our church. But Lord, it's more than just um, connected to the church. It's us as individuals that we have been called by you. And we need to meditate and think about what that relationship means and exactly who you are. And so it's my prayer, Father, that um, this day, this service, has been an act of praise to you. And it has been a sweet aroma that's uh, sifted its way up into heaven. Because, Lord, we want to be your children doing what you've called us to do. Leaning on you, depending on you, and thanking you for the incredible things that you've done. Most specifically, for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen.